Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. G.I. Joe. <laughs> Yo, Joe. Today we are reviewing Robert Schwenkies or whatever the hell his name is. Is it Schwenky? I always kind of joked that it was Schwenky, but it is Schwenky. It is Schwenky. Good for him, you know? Good for Robert. Uh, Robert Schwenky's Snake Eyes, not starring Nicolas Cage, but starring Henry Goulding, Andrew Koji, uh, Samara Weaving, Iko Uwe, uh, and more. Um, Eric, how are you? Well, Matt, we're about to talk about Snake Eyes. That's how I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> fair. Fair. Yeah, Eric and I... Um, uh, ventured out to landmark cinemas in Whitby on Thursday evening at 10, 10. Um, it was a late show for us. Um, and those chairs too comfortable sometimes for a 10 o'clock show. Right. Cause well, even uh, when we had, uh, you know, we, we had some, uh, diet, uh, cherry cola and I had a diet, Mr. Pib cherry. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, like, you think okay that might that be might be enough it was not uh, it, it was, was not. not i needed but, like a cold brew or something and then you're relying on the movie to be that adrenaline rush to kind of get you through it and then the film itself is so ugly so flat and just really really boring like that's that i think is the biggest i think it's the biggest crime yeah yeah the biggest crime is that it is just i struggled to stay awake <laughs> Like, we, took, we and, took a gamble on this one, Matt, and we we came up short, you know. And we, I'm a guy who stays up regularly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> love it. And they weren't rigged, or maybe it was. Um, I'm a guy who regularly stays up until you know twelve, one, two in the morning. Sometimes the crack just of dawn, you know, just watching animal, just watching YouTube in bed or something. So like, I can stay awake. Um, but th- this movie challenged me. <laughs> just challenged me because i was struggling i had to like way that it's like the film itself like you know it's it's trying to do something different or unique it's challenging in that it's just very boring and it's just putting you to sleep yeah and we mentioned this like at least with the the previous two gi joe movies which are not good at all um they kind of like knew that they were based on like children's action figures at least i feel and well, like Steven Summers kinda, film the first movie yeah. did feel like it was him just playing with toys and those toys being you know Channing Tatum and Marlon felt Lane. like it was self-aware yeah. more i mean it did take itself seriously there was a, like you know a whole world ending plot and i i barely remember them i might revisit them just be- for shits um because but- knowledge is power um but i feel like they were like self-aware enough to kind of know that they were silly and like um and ridiculous where i feel like this movie georgie come on um uh she's shoving her face in my iced coffee um i feel like this movie just took itself way too seriously and like i'm like was anyone really asking for this did anyone like i get snake eyes cool character one of the standouts from you know both the action figures and uh the movies but was anyone like yes we need a you know an, any movie that says something origins a bad idea well is that <laughs> the title idea. so that's something that, that that we've been talking about a lot recently with titles and like the the, the proper title gi Georgians. you know uh fast and furious or the hitman's bodyguard and now this it's like so is it just called snake eyes or is it snake eyes gi joe origins because it comes up as both sometimes depending on where you're looking well the poster has gi joe origins but sometimes with a subtitle like that like 
on, I'm on Wikipedia, not always right, although there are sources and things like that. Um, it says Snake Eyes colon G.I. Joe Origins, also known simply as Snake Eyes. <laughs> so I don't know whether because obviously there's been multiple movies named uh, titled Snake Eyes. I referenced the Nicolas Cage, Brian De Palma movie, which is great. Um, you should watch um, that. That's a lot of fun. So I feel like with stuff like that, sometimes you give it a subtitle just because and especially I don't think everyone knows that this is based on G.I. Joe, right? Like, I, I feel like it's been a while and G.I. Like Joe fans, aren't super... The fans that grew yeah. up with the, you know, the cartoon series in the 80s or the Dude, classic yeah. E-Bombs World videos. Yeah, sure. On, we were online, laughing about that. Snow amazing. job. Uh, th- those yeah. are truly the, still the best, I think, version of G.I. Joe is the sure. E-Bombs World parodies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I feel like the fan base will know who Snake Eyes is. But then outside of that, I guess you're, you know, you're right where like, you know, the mainstream audience that are like, oh, look, this, this movie with this kind of ninja warrior type character, like, what is this about? And then when you have, oh, G.I. Joe Origins, but even then it's just kind of like G.I. Joe hasn't really been relevant since the 1980s. I mean, the days of Sergeant Slaughter have long passed us, Matt. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as, as much as I like that G.I. Joe, the movie, uh, the cartoon film, which is just basically three movies put together, uh, three episodes put together to make a movie. Um, you know, that was goofy and fun and had all these characters. This is basically the equivalent of what you would think that, you know, if a Boba Fett movie was made a, you know, before now where, you know, where Disney's going into the territory of the book of Boba Fett, but yeah, the idea that Boba Fett was going to have his own solo movie, this is kind of what I would expect it to be where you take a cool looking character who has really no substance whatsoever and is just basically, you know, like giving too much story to somebody that just, you don't need to explain away the origin of snake eyes. Like why, why, like I get, going with duke or snow job or you know scarlet or someone like that snake eyes story doesn't hold that weight and sort of creating this you know japanese mythology and and sort of you know legend with you know honor and discipline and, and what it truly means to be a hero um it just it it kind of feels just completely shallow and and what you'd expect a studio movie to be like not saying that you know the wolverine was much better in sort of its portrayal of japanese culture and and what have you but i mean at least that movie you know had some fun action and some sort of memorable performances and and weirdly enough the whole time i was thinking of watching henry goulding uh, I was thinking of Hugh Jackman, weirdly. Like, he kind of comes off a little bit like Hugh Jackman, where I think yeah. he's one of those actors that, given the right role, he can be charismatic or likable. But if you put him in the lead in something and the film isn't working and he's not able to kind of get a handle on it, he's so dull. So bland, yeah. And that's what I think happens here, right? And then we you bring up Wolverine and the origins is what I was referen- referencing earlier. So maybe you should just leave out origins in your title completely because uh, I can't think off the top of my head. Is there a movie that has that in the title that actually worked? But um, maybe I'm wrong. But uh, yeah, I mean, Eric, <laughs> not ta- I origins. I'm yeah, telling you. Uh, Eric, take it away. What is, you know, what is Snake Eyes? about well i mean i basically just kind of summed it up you know talking about you know the performance you basically have you know snake eyes who is a beloved character within the gi joe canon partly because 
of his cool look in the swords and the idea that, okay, this character who is, you know, so let's take away all that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Let's take away any mystique that this character has and add this sort of contrived cliche yeah. sort of backstory of a child who witnessed his father being killed. Never seen has, that before. Yeah. And has become a drifter ever since and wants to seek revenge on the man who killed his patriarch and that's essentially Never what the that. story is uh i mean well, you even saw that with mortal Kombat. i know it's it's we've seen it a hundred times eric uh, which i'm sure that'll also come up a lot where like again you're taking characters that are just you know aesthetically interesting and pleasing and then mm-hmm. turning them into or mythologizing them in a way that doesn't work because there's nothing really there to mythologize them with that's why they work in an ensemble and 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 less so as you know individual chess pieces where Mm -hmm. you know thinking about like okay if this was going to be the first in a series like what who are they going to do next and were they going to do just gi joes were were they going to do cobra characters as well because there's actually some cobra characters that i think would actually be better in the sort of like origin story like i would prefer a cobra origin story than you know, uh, like the uh, whole organization, eyes. you mean, yeah. or even just like King Cobra. Like, yeah, that's true. like he is just kind of a cool, creepy character and you could really play with the snake mythology, which they do here. Um, but In again, ridiculous ways. <laughs> yeah. So you have Henry Goulding who plays snake eyes and he's become a drifter. He so Cobra commander, you want to yeah, yes, Cobra. Yeah. King Co- he becomes King Cobra yeah. in, in the GI Joe movie. The anime Cobra movie. commander is cool. Come on. Yeah, yeah he is. He's, he's, he's so cool. Um, so you have Henry Goulding playing, Goulding playing uh, Snake Eyes, and he's essentially, you know, this sort of Western-esque kind of character, a drifter going from town to town, um, sort of beating up people in sort of underground MMA fights and, you know, moving on. And then he's recruited by the Yakuza uh, to work with them and to work for them in their uh, L.A. division on the docks. Um, sort of smuggling weapons in and out of LA. Um, He makes a decision to save a fellow member um, who is about to be killed, who will then later on, and this is another thing where like the reveal, you already know who the character is going to be with Storm Shadow. Yeah. uh, And sort of bringing him in, who who goes by Tommy in this, which is also ridiculous, that name. (laughs) Uh, and, And so how Tommy, you know, to repay a blood debt, being saved by snake eyes brings him into his clan in japan and promises to basically integrate him into the clan if he passes the three tests and so you have classic characters coming back like the blind master and um other sort of gi joe affiliated characters um and cobra characters uh baroness and and scarlet and what a waste of samara weaving who also weirdly sounds dubbed or like she did adr right change her voice yeah um and it just the other thing that i think is also worth mentioning you know we talked a lot about um sort of the camera angles and looks in 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 old yeah at least old looks good yes i would say it looks pretty at least looks ugly like with a capital u and and i think 
what this reminded me most of. It almost does look like a Saw movie or it almost looks like <laughs> like a behind the scenes documentary of sure, them yeah. making the movie and not the real film. And it's a shame because the guy who shot this movie worked, worked with David with Gore, Lowry and Gore, Gore Verbinski. Verbinski. I mean, this which is, is the guy cure, that shot A Cure for Wellness, which, which is, is an beautiful, ugly movie, but ugly but beautiful. Yes, it's, it's and the fantastical. Ring. Yeah, The Ring is gorgeous as well. Um, yeah, that's so disappointing. And and to Eric's point, like this movie feels like it is ripped out of the early 2000s in the worst me, possible in the way. worst way. And it's everything from, you know, how the titles are displayed on screen feels like you you mentioned swordfish. Oh, and yeah. Like, um, it looks crap. terrible. Like the this cinema- would have been directed by Den- uh, Dominic Senna yeah. if this was in the early 2000s or yeah. like this is in the same category as Ballistic X versus Seven. Sure. Yes, it does feel like one of those movies. And then when you get into the the fight, uh, you know choreography and cinematography um it becomes nauseating and like i think that it's all handheld the, it's all handheld it's all shaky cam imagine like the worst possible shaky cam from like you know you know even paul greengrass like you can kind of poke fun at him for all the shaky cam in his movies but i feel like there's still you can still mostly follow the action even with the shaky cam and, and a lot of the stuff this is anytime an action sequence would come on it goes handheld and I don't know if they if it's like added handheld or if it's like legitimately handheld. Like, I don't know if they shot the action and then realized it looked terrible. So they just needed to add in shaky cam to distract you at like maybe people were pulling their punches or missing their punches and like it just didn't look great. Um, but every time there's an action sequence, the camera shakes more than I have ever seen in a movie before to the point where especially with digital projection and. Uh, digital cinematography it becomes very framey at times too and just disorienting and nauseating to the point where i kind of had to sometimes like close my eyes minus i was falling asleep anyway but like um it just and then it ends up all kind of blurring together because you can't really follow each act action sequence and um i think that was the most baffling thing like everything in between you've already said it's riddled with kind of you know, cliches. I, I tweeted out being like it, it. It it feels like thirty years of of action movies just kind of put into a blender and then kind of seeing like, what and then, works, and you're never yeah. getting the same exact. Like the consistency is the inconsistency. Like you're never getting sort of a defined signature of what this movie is, even if it is ripping off, you know, the Paul Greengrass style or sort of playing in sort of the field of the early 2000 films, the early aughts movies, which, you know, for some people, there might be nostalgia there for us, you know, there's, there's not. Um, And especially watching this movie, because all I could think of, like, this is like a bad Jerry Bruckheimer or Joel Silver production of that period. And that's kind of what it feels like. And watching it, like you're thinking to yourself, okay, I get that they're still fans of G.I. Joe, but they're not maybe as as sort of fever, feverish or, or interested as like a Transformers fan. Like I get why Transformers are still popular and why kids love Transformers, but <laughs> G.I. Joe is very generic when it comes to sort of, you know, it's it's style and, you know. You have yeah, they were just of... army dudes with different gimmicks, right? Yeah, like... yeah. The Cobras were more interesting because you had characters that were sort of superhero villains. You know, like they, they 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 had elements of like body horror and and stuff like Destro and things like that. And it was also just goofy. Like it was like the the other thing I laughed at that does I guess harken back to the series and the original movie is that the the, the MacGuffin of this movie is a gem, and there's a gem in 
in the original animated film where like one of the characters you know wants to get paid and the way that he you know he asks like you know i have some questions and then this guy pulls out a gem and he's like a gem that size answers all my questions. And it's like, <laughs> like that's the kind of camp it's going for in a kid's cartoon. And it doesn't embrace that in this movie. Like it feels too self-serious and like, it's too cool uh, to ever kind of be fun. And it's never fun. Like even, you know, this kind of neon lit sort of city sequence where, you know, you have these characters fighting on rooftops and jumping around. You think, okay, should be cool. That staging should yeah. be a lot of fun it 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 should work as just a purely sort of action sort of adrenaline rush and it never does it's just so ugly looking and so jarring in terms of both the camera angles and the cutting and the pacing is so off and tonally mm. the characters are so jarring because you you have snake eyes who is kind of you know at a, at a crossroads in his life where he's deciding whether or not he's going to be a hero or a villain but then you have characters that are within the clan that are, you know, there are moments where you're thinking, okay, are they, are they sort of warming up to snake eyes? But then in another scene, they're completely at a 180. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense, tonally speaking. Yeah. It just kind of feels like they kind of cobbled this together and, 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 and pasted, glued and pasted. Like it's to just, jump off that, I think some of the characters too, like including the Joes and Cobra in this also feels weirdly jarring and, and off-putting as like you're trying to tell this somewhat grounded, you know, personal story of this man, you know, becoming snake eyes. But I don't think you necessarily needed other than maybe like a little stinger at the end that someone recruits in because they hear about this story or something. But which to you include, do get that though. Which well, you do, but which... then to include like Baroness and you know Samara weaving a scarlet as like a, a Joe agent and then tying that into his like father's backstory and stuff like that. Like I just it, it seems like it, her Scarlet in her outfit and Baroness just feels like they are ripped from like Again, I, I they went the, to the same party packagers or yeah, party city know, as the yeah. people from the Warner Brothers uh, lot on Space Jam: a, a, a New Legacy. Like it just doesn't look like because again, these characters aren't well defined by their costumes no. or something. But it's because so Snake Eyes doesn't get his costume until the very end, yeah. and that's not a spoiler, everyone. That's just telling you a fact. Um, and Storm Shadow as well, right? Like you, you see them; they're in black, they're in white, and like you get it. Of, you don't need you, you don't you, need anything else. But like even you know Tommy saying. Like it's it's Storm Shadow now. It's yeah, basically it's like, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. level, but that works better because it's a teenage yeah. boy, yeah. a fully grown man. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh my god. And then there's I want to bring up um uh, uh the blind Peter. Master? Yeah, Blind Master. Um. There is a Peter moment Mecha, in the movie who probably a yeah. lot of people know. Uh, from 300, he's the Persian yes, yeah. messenger that Gerard Butler kicks in the hole, but he was also in Jason X. He's one of the, uh, uh right. Sergeant the, Brodsky. The Sergeant, yeah. Um, love it. Um, yeah, there is a moment in this. He's <laughs> that he uses a device to disguise him on some rocks and then he just, it's so funny. Like he drops this thing and just pops out of nowhere. And I had an audible laugh in the theater. And I don't know if it was supposed to be, I don't think it was unintentional. Like, I think it was just supposed to be a moment. Like he's a, I don't know, a master of dis disguise. He's the champion like of a, hide and seek. Um, yeah. And, and it just reminded me, I, I mentioned to Eric afterwards of spy hard when the CIA director or whatever, the spy director is like in the chair and just like comes out after yeah, Charles uh, Durning when he farts yeah. on him. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, and he's just hiding in plain sight. It was like stuff like that. Like that just like made me laugh really hard. Um, but overall the movie is, yeah, it's just painfully generic and, um, and, just i i don't these are the types of like sort of mid to big budget i mean i'm talking mid budget it says it's 88 to 110 million but weirdly, where did that money go i like, didn't see it on the screen or in yeah. the production anywhere and, it just looks like something they shot in a like this almost looks like a diy kind of movie it like it, it's so cheap looking and ugly that you would never suspect that like an actual studio released this it yeah. doesn't look like a studio film it looks like a fan made movie something you watch on youtube YouTube and like yeah like i totally agree with that um and it's just i struggled to stay awake i never connected like i agree with you with on henry golding we keep calling him henry golding if you don't get that joke it's a reference to last christmas um and a review for that go check that out (laughs) uh and I, I don't know. Like, I agree with you that he can have presence sometimes, but throughout this whole movie, I just felt a him ghostly like, presence. Yeah. Yeah. I just felt like he was so flat. Like he just never like captivated me. Like, I just feel like he was like for a guy who gets, you know, a big leading role in a, in a, you know, a somewhat big action franchise. Um, and that wouldn't I be just... a bad thing either. If you had a supporting cast that was, at least more sort of vibrant and exciting, yeah. you know, like to kind of balance it. But nobody in this movie no. uh, really has any charisma or character. Like even, you know, there there's there's one person who's kind of, you know, like similar to him, um, Haruka Abe, who is basically kind of an outsider, but kind of adopted by this clan as well and has been working security and, and, and sort of, again, that's a, another character that's tonally off because there are times where, you know, she starts warming up to Snake Eyes, and then there are other times where it's like she does a complete 180 and reverses her stance, and it just feels like those scenes were shot out of order, out of sequence, and they were kind of cobbled together and kind of just thrown in place in any which scene. So, you know, depending on the scene you're in, she could be, you know, uh, starting to create an alliance with Snake Eyes or then not, but the character just doesn't make sense in terms of you know where her own alliances are and it just it's so bizarre to watch some of those scenes because it's just inconsistent throughout and it just feels like nobody really paid attention to you know character or tone or just how to tell this story this this story didn't need much it just it, it could be a simple origin story of a character finding redemption and you know carving a path of his own you don't need that much but then when you have like four writers on this thing one of which is uh evan uh stopolopoulos the Uh, yes uh spilotopoulos who also wrote and directed the unholy this year which is another movie that tries way too hard to be something more than what it needed to be in order to work this film just completely and utterly like the one scene that kind of does work is the first training scene and i think that's the one moment where the film does feel like it takes a break, a time yeah. out a, a yeah. little bit. And and partly it's because you're, you're, you're entranced by the idea of like, okay, how is he going to sort of make his way through this and, and, and sort of beat this, uh, you know, this stage or, or get through it. And like, what's, what's, what's the way to do it, the proper way mm-hmm. to do it. When he finds it out, it's again, it's, it's very plate boiler stuff, but I think that's the one scene with Aikoue's that kind of, that kind of works um 
other than that, like the movie is just, I don't even understand how they were thinking that this could launch a new G.I. Joe franchise. Yeah, I think they want to continue with Snake Eyes movies. And then there was a rumored sequel to like a new G.I. Joe movie with DJ Caruso. Um, is that One his of name? Greatest. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, and I, I don't think that's I don't know. Like <laughs> we got two G.I. Joe movies to get this. The box office this weekend just came in. Um, it made thirteen point three five million, which is not good no i know we're in a weird time but like i mean it's better than probably what it would have done if theaters and people were more comfortable to go like if it was more regularly available like it probably would have been in the top five maybe um but But on a movie with a hundred million dollar budget i can't believe that that movie's a hundred million dollars where did it go i don't know um who knows man but uh i think there's very little uh of value here um, even with a very, you know, thin, it's not a thin release. Like there's lots of movies coming out, but I wouldn't say you need to go out to the theater to see this. I wouldn't even suggest, you know, this is even, a VOD movie literally yeah. in every which way. Like it does almost again, like we talked about being like a YouTube fan video, but you could watch this on VOD and the comfort of your own home and you wouldn't lose anything in terms I of feel like, and that's the value a good, of the film. And that's a good point. Like, you know, some streamers like Netflix are so desperate uh, for a franchise. I'm surprised that Hasbro, I mean, now E1, which is owned by Hasbro, is technically like the studio behind a lot of this stuff, which is strange being a Canadian studio that got bought by Hasbro. But now Hasbro licensed out G.I. Joe to Paramount and, and same with Transformers and different things. Um, but I could just like I feel like maybe G.I. Joe give Netflix a shot. Let them have that as their franchise. Well, they have Paramount Plus, though, right? Like when. Yeah, I guess they do. Right. Like, I don't know how the deal works with with E1 and Hasbro now, but um, I forget about Paramount Plus. Yeah, I guess a quiet place because we don't we have it here, but it's not the same as in the U.S. Ours is a very kind of neutered uh version of it we don't have a lot of the the mainstream stuff that they yeah because gi joe i think um, would work better as a live action episodic tv series yeah that, something like you that know, yeah like the people that want to watch it would watch it but other than that it's like <coughs> like don't have to even worry or think about it you know it's yeah. like one of those shows where it's like it's there but you know you, you're just like oh i'm glad that the people that like it like it and you know like i don't really have to continue with this mm-hmm. um but it but again going back to the like x-men origins wolverine thing like it, it does sound almost like they looked at, <laughs> looked at that movie and was like because there was a time where they were going to do the magneto movie as well but yeah. then they obviously spun that off really into x-men first class. class yeah um so you know like i think you when it comes to gi joe you just need to do just a gi joe an movie. ensemble movie yeah, yeah like because even with like just like with if you take one out of you know this ensemble like nobody's gonna go you know it doesn't as much as i would yeah. like to see brendan frazier a shipwreck again uh that's oh right i you know. i just bought them both because they're in 4k and they're because well, uh, steven summers directed the first uh, one yeah as well, right? which he makes sense the mummy and, and things like that but um, that was like the one cameo that was kind of funny where yeah uh, brendan frazier shows up shows as, up for uh, like shipwreck. one scene right or yeah. something um they're uh the double pack was ten dollars on itunes so it was like five dollars each movie in 4k gotta do it <laughs> So I bought them and I'm like, I might just throw them on to compare because like in my head I go, okay, those are bad, but you know, at least they kind of know that they're bad. Um, where I feel like this is trying so hard to be like a modern action movie and then weirdly fails and feels like something ripped out of 2000 and 
one. Yeah, two. I mean, I was waiting for a heavy metal song to be in the end credits, and it never, yeah. it never comes up. There's no Mudvayne or <laughs> Limbiscuit or Metallica scored to Hans Zimmer. Creed. Um, uh, anyways, I'm going to give it a one and a half. I thought it was pretty bad. I'll be generous and give it a two. You never go. What? There's very few movies. I know. One and a half. Oh, and, wow. There you yeah. go. So. Um, and I gave Cosmic Sin one. You can go. To oh, I know box. you I do. Tons of stuff. One. Star. No, I'm just like I, I, I applaud you. Um, it takes. I've just uh, seen. I've seen the worst. So like, much the, worse. Yeah, yeah. Like this. Yeah. Like it still is quote unquote competent. Sure. Um, but at least with like something like Cosmic Sin, there's more to talk about. <laughs> right. In terms Fair. Of, like, how you're it you're is. you got to put everything on the same scale, and a Cosmic Sin is truly awful. Yeah. <laughs> where. Uh, but at least there's more of... to sort of dissect with that movie oh, totally. where with this it's yeah. almost like i feel like a middle of the road movie deserves a middle of the road rating yeah which I... is a two fair uh thank you all for listening uh if you like this we have a lot of other reviews that you guys can check out right now you can check out uh recently we just posted our review for zola uh as well as uh m night Shyamalan's back with old that was quite the conversation and quite the movie um again i'll take a hundred olds because at least it's like you know, at least he's, you know, he gives it his all and it doesn't always work, but at least there's something to talk about. And there. it's somewhat entertaining um, as a yeah. movie. Uh, we previewed the first 10 minutes of Dune as well as another action sequence. So you guys can check out our preview of Dune in IMAX. Um, it was super dope. Go check that out. Uh, Escape Room Term- Tournament of Champions featuring a wild story about going back to the movies. F9. Wait, is a preview um, of Dune? Should we call it Prune? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Our Prune is up right now for everyone. <laughs> uh a quiet place part two pig space jam a new legacy the fear street trilogy lots of reviews up um our newest draft of the untitled movie podcast uh you should have you know our 95th draft which rihanna meta and kevin mcguire joined us to talk about their article that they have on eclectish called we uh, i have to return some videotapes so we talk about kind of you know our uh, blind spots in our film history as well as kind of what we've been watching and just had a really lovely conversation with them so go check out our 95th draft and some news on that front uh we're moving back to a weekly format on untitled what? movie podcast you didn't tell me this um <gasps> some more more work for us but no it's just uh i, I explained the it in the post are back on, yeah so on, on letterboxd i explained this on our letterboxd hq which is untitled podcast which you guys can go follow um, where we post updates and, you know, our reviews, our, our, our rankings of different franchises, different filmmakers, different things like that. But, um, yeah, now that things are opening back up, we're seeing more movies, more news is coming out. Trailers are dropping more regularly because, you know, schedules getting back to normal. Um, we thought we'd go back to the weekly format of untitled. So every Monday we're going to aim for Mondays, um, probably in the afternoon. For the bushes. Monday mornings, we're going to record and hopefully get it up for you guys. And, um, and we're going to aim for Mondays, but once a week you will get a untitled movie podcast. They might not be two and a half hours anymore, but that's probably um, a good thing. Um, I mean, I know some people love super, super long episodes. I mean, knowing Eric and I, there's still still going to be like two hour episodes every week, but um, we're going to try to do a uh, weekly episode. So you should also have a 96th draft coming up this Monday. Uh, if you're listening to this right away, or it might uh, be up um already for you guys where we ha- talk about tiff because we didn't get to that really in detail uh on our last episode the first announcements of special presentations and galas came out including clifford the big red dog so we're gonna talk about that uh so go check that out and then every monday you'll get a new episode we want to bring more guests on like kevin and re and we've had you know daniel baptista and joey and nick from kind of funny and 
um, people we're going to bring back. We're going to bring new people in at least maybe once a month, have a guest on the regular show and as well as maybe still do uh, conversations as they pop up. Uh, okay. I think that's everything. Please drop us a review. If you would be so kind untitled underscore cast on all those social medias. And as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my uh, video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. It's not Tommy anymore. It's Storm Shadow.